The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic here with Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times and uh, a guest that uh, Jonah and I have uh, wanted to have on for a while. And, uh, and Mookie, maybe you could uh, explain why that it doesn't happen so smoothly uh, on Tim Graham and Friends based on your personal experience over the past 12 hours of trying to uh, of, uh get me to come up with a time for you. Uh, but here's Mookie Hawkins, Buffalo sports, 1080 power 96.5. And with everything that's happening, uh, here in Buffalo, uh, and in our area, uh, quite frankly, uh, it's been a bit of an existential thing for me. Uh, I can't get to sports and, uh, I know that, uh, uh, you know, yes, I've watched some game sevens, uh, over the weekend as a distraction, but the idea of actually having a deep conversation about sports or writing about sports uh, seems to be not within my uh, within my uh, energy. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't uh, also didn't want to have two white guys talking about what happened over the weekend. Uh, and uh, Mookie is from the east side. His entire life, uh, he has deep roots on the east side. And so, Mookie, I, I wanted to, to bring you on so we can maybe have a conversation and uh, share some thoughts. And what we come up with here, I have no idea. But thank you for, for joining the show and lending your insights. Not a problem, Tim. Thanks for having me, man. You know, I know you're a busy guy, you know what I mean? But, hey, anything for you, my guy. Well, that's nice. Uh, so Mookie and I had, I think, five different times that I, he kept asking me when I wanted to do it, I gave him a time and then that didn't work because I forgot I had an appointment. And then the next time didn't work. And then the third time didn't work either. And then the fourth time turned out to be the third time or second. I don't know what it was, but Mookie has been patient and uh, uh, to come on here. And, uh, and he's, uh, he's been a good man and very gracious. Uh, to deal with my uh, lack of organization skills. Welcome um, to my world, Mookie. <laughs> this is what Jonah deals with on a podcast by podcast basis. Um, Mookie, uh, I guess, and the reason, reason I wanted to have you on uh, this episode more than any other, uh, you've done a lot of coaching uh, on the east side with Buffalo youth at pretty much every level, level from the time they can first put on the pads uh, until they're off to college. Um, and I want to name some of these teams, these uh, youth football teams that you've worked with, uh, the Fruit Belt Rockets, the GC Cowboys, the Beast Elite Ducks, and then also at the high school level and just uh, the work that you've done. Um, and you know this community. Uh, you know what this community go has gone through. Uh, you you know more than, than I can ever know uh, what – 
Saturday's impact will have on the east side and Buffalo at large. So uh, I guess I'll just leave it to you for your your opening thoughts. And then I'm going to try to muddle through this and not embarrass myself. Uh, but I, I think that people who have listened to the podcast in the in the past uh, know that I strive to be as empathetic as possible. I'm always seeking. I'm always trying to get better uh, and find out what I can do uh, to help in some way uh, further this conversation or come to some bit of understanding. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. Like you said, I really didn't have any time for sports. I didn't have the energy. Um, the softball event, you know, Sunday, you know, was kind of like my sanctuary. It took me away from, you know I mean, what's going on in the real world. Um, but when it was over, I mean, I was still left with, you know, the grand reality of what's happened over the weekend. And, you know, it's still ongoing. Um, it's just, I, I shop at that top frequently. I mean, it's down the street from my house where I live. So, you know, for that to happen and how it happened in the fashion that it had happened in, it, 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 it gives you a, a, a deep, empty feeling on, it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm really at a loss of words still, you know what I mean? Like, is this, is this real? Did this really happen? You know, and, and why did it happen? You know, that's, that's the biggest reason. Like, why did this happen? You know, what was the cause of this happening here? So um, there's no it's no place in this world for hate. Um, it, it's, it's just no place. Um, as a culture, um, you know, we all need to find a place where we can understand each other's culture. And I think that's probably the biggest issue on understanding um, your background, Tim, my background or every, anybody's background for that matter. So we can get a clear cut understanding on each other's culture. And I think that once that happens, then I think it kind of evens out the playing field of, of the respect, you know, cause that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, just getting that, that equal respect as human beings, you know what I mean? You know, throw the, throw the, throw the color out of it. You know, and this right here is it's just mind-boggling, not only just for our adults, but our children. You know I mean? Uh, you know, you got kids now that's, that don't want to go to school because they in fear of their lives, you know, of white people. And it shouldn't be that way. It, it shouldn't be that way. It, it's a lot of kids that's right now in the community that, that don't have an understanding of why this happening, for what reason. You know, only thing they, they I mean, and our kids and in the world that we live in and social media, they just about all saw that video. And how horrifying that video was, uh, it was just like a Call of Duty um, skit. So a lot of kids right now is mentally strong. Me being a, 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 a school teacher at one point in time, I can understand, you know, you know, way, how these kids feel right now. I mean, how I feel about it right now. You know, it's just, I mean, it, it makes you angry. You know, it, it, you know, envision your grandmother to him going to the grocery store and never to come back. How would you feel about that? Your, your grandmother being gunned down in a grocery store, shopping for groceries, you know, not a care in the world, just doing her normal routine on a Sunday. And she's just gunned down. 
you know, with, with no reason, no explanation. She didn't do anything to anybody. You know, it makes you angry inside, you know, and we just have to understand each other's culture to understand. So, so everybody can understand each other's culture that, you know, being black in America isn't bad. Being white in America isn't bad. You know what I mean? We need that mix, you know, of diversity to help understand each other so we can move forward. You know what I mean? I didn't grow up in, 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 in the era of segregation. My parents did, you know? Um, so we wasn't raised that way. We, we understand what happened, you know, to our parents and our grandparents, you know, and then on the flip side, you know, from your perspective, from your end, you know what I mean? What, what, what were you uh, taught? What did, you, what did your parents say about black people in, 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 the, in that time of segregation? You know what I mean? So it's like, we're past that, but for it to revisit itself for an 18 year old, that shouldn't, you know, that has anything to do with segregation because right now that's that's been long gone. And for him just all of a sudden, just pick and choose that I just want to just go on a, a shooting spree with black people. Where is that coming from? Well, Buffalo's east side is, at least statistically, a very segregated area. I think sixth most of comparable size in the country. Is that something you have felt in living in that community? Or, you know, how aware of, have you been of, of the segregation that, that is the case on the east side over the years? Oh, well, I mean, in Buffalo in general, it's, it's, it's top five segregated cities in America. I mean, I understand that you know, very young, very young. And, you know, it's a shame that is that way. Um, but something has to change in some retrospect of it. I'm quite well aware of it, but it doesn't bother me to, you know, be who I am as a person to do what I need is necessary for me to function in, you know, not only in my community, but just in Buffalo period, you know? So, um, I do understand that it goes on and it's, it's, it's sad that it does happen, you know, and this is just a reflection of that, you know, um, it's a lot of questions to be asked on how that situation was handled, you know what I mean, from a community based. Um, but I mean, it, it always put white against black all the time, no matter at the end of the day, when you look at it, it's white against black, no matter what, uh, from how he was being treated when he was apprehended to a, a black person who led the police on a wild goose chase and was shot up, you know, um, X amount of times. And, you know, the guy was handicapped, you know? So it's a lot of scenarios that, you know, people are, are that, 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 that notice that. And it just, it, all that stuff, it just, it, it needs to change. It, it needs to be, you know, complete equality down the line. You know what I mean? No matter what the situation is, people need to be treated the same way you know what i mean like it's just it shouldn't have a color barrier on it and you know moving forward in this era it sh it, race should not you should not be judged by the color of your skin period uh, and you know i don't I, I don't have a racist bone in my body i'm a very opinionated guy i speak my mind but you know i don't look at i don't look at oh oh oh, oh you jonah I, I hate you because of color of your skin you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not that way. There are other reasons. Yeah. You know, I'm just not that way, but it's always, it's always an uphill battle, man. You know, being, you know, being black and not only in any, anywhere, you know, it's always an uphill battle.
You know what I mean? So until we change that narrative, then, I mean, what can we do to help the process get better? I'll even take it a step, not a step further, but a step shorter and make it seem, or at least to me, in my mind, seem even easier than understanding other people's cultures. And maybe it is a little more difficult because you need confidence to be able to pull this off is to not be threatened by other people's cultures. Um, I, I can't even, there are a lot of cultures out there. I have not done any research on a friend of mine. I just recently met here in the last three months who I've gotten to know, but I don't know his background too much. He's Sikh. I couldn't tell you much about the Sikh religion. Occasionally he, he tells me some things and I, I, it's considered a beautiful religion where their basic tenet is be nice to people. Uh, they're very inclusive. I do know that, but beyond, I couldn't, I couldn't write uh, 200 words about what it is to be Sikh, uh, but I'm not threatened by that. I'm not, you know, I live right around the corner from uh, the Islamic society of the Niagara frontier. Uh, they park um, up and down my street. Um, and I know that it's, uh, that's fine. I don't know exactly what goes on in their mosque. I don't need to necessarily understand it, but I'm also not threatened by it. And I think maybe that comes with a certain level of confidence that somebody's not here to take my stuff or to make me feel less than. I saw a great line in a Washington Post article. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, and I'm going to butcher it. Uh, but the general, the, to paraphrase, was there's no wonder that white people are afraid of becoming the minority because they know how they've treated minorities all this time. They don't, they don't want, they don't want to have to face their comeuppance. Uh, and so anyways, that's a, that's a bit of a, of a word salad there uh, regarding my, uh, regarding some thoughts there. And it just seems as though it's not even, you don't even have to like go grab books at the library to learn about other people's cultures. It's not even that hard. It's just find a place in your mind where you're not going to be scared shitless by somebody who doesn't look like you or think like you. I mean, you could just ask. You don't even got to read a book. You just ask. You know what I mean? Just ask because, I mean, we want to know too on, on, on the flip side of that. You know what I mean? So, so we can help better understand each other. You know what I mean? So when I open my mouth and I say something, you understand where I'm coming from. You know what I mean? It's not taken out of context. I don't feel a certain type of way. Oh, I'm not quick to say, be judgmental and say, oh, Tim, you, you are racist, you know, by your words and all that stuff. No. You know what I mean? It's, it, I'm here. Ask me. You know, I, that's just, it's just as simple as that. But, you know, when you don't, everybody, you know, make their assumptions and their assumptions of it. And, you know, it doesn't resolve anything. You know what I mean? It doesn't it doesn't help both cultures grow. You know, so. Well, people are people, and you find when there's human interactions and, and background, different backgrounds connecting with each other, I think you find more common ground. But when there is segregation and certain aspects that promote the division, uh, it can lead to you know, horrific extrapolations from that in, in different ways. Yeah, yeah, you read about that? I mean, I mean, it, it, like I said, it, it goes all the way back there. I don't hate to take it there, but it goes all the way back there. You know what I mean? Our parents were, we had to drink out of separate water fountains, different bathrooms, spray with water hose, dogs attacked, spit on, all types of stuff. Why, why, why did we have to go through? You know what I mean? Like, that is, is no place in the world for that, but that's what we went through. You know, that's what, you know, our, our grandparents went through that. Our parents 
went through that, you know? So moving forward, this is, it's like, okay, it triggers, you know, when, when stuff like this happens, that's what it triggers, you know, uh, and, and fearful of going back to being segregated. That would never happen, but that's what it triggers, you know? That's what Dr. King fought for. That's what Malcolm X fought for, you know, and died for. And here it is, what, 50, 50, 70 years later, it still goes on to an extent where someone can just go postal at a, a grocery store and, and, and just kill black people like it's okay. And one of the beliefs, there are different theories as to what happened with Malcolm X, but one of the prevailing thoughts is that it was payback because he was too outspoken about John F. Kennedy's assassination and his famous quote, the chickens have come home to roost. Well, the chickens came home to roost on Saturday uh, because that is, uh, that was what has been fomented and has been, you know, and there's more, there's more. And this is something I wanted to get into and and maybe it's tricky, Um, but actually there's two points I want to make. I'm going to make one, I'll, I want to something that really resonated with me of many things that have resonated with me over the last 72 hours was the threat that was credible enough for the Amherst Police Department and other law enforcement agencies to post the warning on social media yesterday that there was a, a threat that between a certain set of hours that various shopping centers and Walmarts were going to be shot up and that black people were going to be targeted. Now, as far as I know, I don't think these places closed, uh, but I can guarantee you that because it said in there that blacks will be shot, I, I can guarantee you that there are some people who read those that alert and thought to themselves, well, I don't have to worry about that. Now, that's to me, and it was I'm paraphrasing and I may be stealing somebody's line, but that to me is the definition of white privilege. Somebody makes a threat like that and it's like, well, it's not me. I'm going to go ahead and go in and pick up my uh, my loaf of bread and, and my uh, my flip flops. But mm-hmm. um, but that is the type of uh, that's the that, that's those are the two worlds, different worlds that we walk in. And I think that uh, that white people don't understand um, that aspect of it. You can empathize. You can get to a point, but you can never understand. You can never sympathize. Right. Um, but you can try to empathize, which is which is what I'm always trying to do. Um, I wanted to bring that up first because it's also a part of of another thing I wanted to mention. Uh, one of the things again that just resonated me one with me uh, one out, out of many is that as soon as the news conferences began on Saturday afternoon, every public official, whether it be law enforcement or uh, the mayor, or the county executive almost tripped over themselves uh, to get to the lectern and, and they needed everyone to know that this guy came from somewhere else. Obviously it was a PR thing or they said, look, this is a a point we need to hammer. Uh, We need to make sure people know. And I think that it was uh, it's disingenuous uh, that they emphasized it so much because I think what the message was is, this could never happen here if not for somebody from a faraway place coming in and doing it. We don't do that here in the city of good neighbors. This guy's not going to come in here and divide us. 
this guy from so far away, hundreds and hundreds of miles, they even had to say, that he drove long ways, he drove for hours, as though this can't happen here. Let, I mean, Timothy McVeigh was from here. Uh, but let us also just say that the next day, what we saw spray painted on the fence in Niagara Falls, um, the threats that were being phoned in, the guy's been arrested to the pizza place and the brewery, uh, saying that the same things were going to happen. Uh, and, and what I mentioned with this, this threat that Amherst Police Department had to put out about a potential mul multiple locations being shot up. So I guess, Mookie, I wanted to then kind of bundle all that up and say, you know, your thoughts on the fact that there's that there seems to be a false sense of security and maybe it's to keep people from panicking, but there seems to be this, this weird belief, at least for the first 24, 48 hours that if it weren't for this, this could never happen here. And I think that people need to realize that there are racists right here who, who were see, seemingly excited about what happened at that tops market. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Um, when you look at it, when like I say, when you go to that video and you you see it, I mean, the white guy sitting right in the aisle and no, no, and the guy just say sorry and just go about his business. So that right then and there lets you know that's why, you know, people feel that, you know, they, they can then blurt that stuff out, you know, so it gives them that segue to really be who they are. What happened Saturday? Um, allow people to really be who who they really are and show their true colors. I mean, this is it's it's all it's things on social media where you know they're trolling. Um, you know these these are correctional officers and police officers that's trolling and saying, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a, a a cleanup on you know these specific aisles in the grocery store. You know, I guess where these shootings occurred at. And, you know, there's a list of white people with laughing emojis on it. But what's going to happen to them? Absolutely nothing. But they reveal themselves on who they truly are. You know, so don't come up to my face and, and trying to smack me up and you know, have a conversation with me. I'm not going to be with that because you're, you're, you're not right in my eyes. You know, you're not right in my eyes with that. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a shame that people troll um, you know, these victims, but when it happens on the flip side, if it happens to them, then what, you know, it, you know, every, it's all fine and dandy till it happens to someone that's, that, and when it hits home in your backyard or your family member or a close friend that, you know, that you're, you're very close with, you know, so God don't like ugly. So those individuals that feel that way, I mean, God bless you, you know, God bless you. You know, that's all, that's all I got to say about that. I felt it was just a little disingenuous of Buffalo to trip over itself or bend over backwards to mm -hmm. say how, you know, the, the Buffalo of angle, you know, we don't do this here. And I could, I can, I've seen plenty of racism here. I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it everywhere I've lived. I, I don't think that Buffalo is special uh, in that. And clearly uh, as Byron Brown said, I think the sixth most segregated community in the country is exactly where that shooting happened. It's how he found that area. He was able to, he Googled zip code with the most black people um, type thing. And that's how he came up with his target. Um, so yeah, Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo is, 
as segregated as it is. And uh, it's, um, I just think people need to, to, to remember that, uh, or, or to be, to think a little deeper and to reflect a little bit more because it allows people who don't want to believe that this could happen here to come up with an excuse or a rationale of everything is okay here. This happened to us. This didn't happen for any other, you know, this people, somebody, a Viking got in a boat and crossed the Atlantic ocean and came to Buffalo and did this to us from some other place with some other that it, no, it's a lot closer than that. It's here. It is here. And I, I thought that while maybe that uh, the, the elected officials and the, and the law enforcement was trying to just create a sense of calm uh, that, you know, or, or whatever, I, they, they were really, they were really stressing that. I think a little bit too much. And I think it was, I think it was telling. And it's not that far away. It's a community in upstate New York. It could have just as easily been someone from, you know, I don't want to slander another town, but Akron or anywhere else in the Southern tier, the Conklin, New York, isn't that much dissimilar to a lot of the rural areas that aren't too far from Buffalo and still part of Western New York. Jonah, you, I understand, you know, the family in Niagara Falls that had the, the spray painted. I do. I, from my time working at the Gazette, I had encountered and spoken with, and I was on a committee with Johnny Parks. Uh, back, I've met him several times and his son, Jordan Parks played football for Niagara Wheat Field among other sports. And I interviewed him and wrote about him a time or two. I thought that uh, curious to hear what Mookie has to say about this. I thought that was a very startling image to see yesterday in context coming a day after what happened and whether that was um, some sort of, you know, the connection between something. So it's not as horrific as a massacre that takes so many lives What happened in Buffalo. But to me, it was almost as disturbing to see it happen the next day and be so blatant and outward and in a day when everybody should be grieving and mourning and trying to come together that someone felt the need on that day, on that morning, to further the divide and Niagara Falls is a very segregated area different than Buffalo it's more of a small city that's uh, you know very the demographics are very black in the city and then there's rural areas right outside the city but that Niagara area is itself smaller than Buffalo so it's kind of like a segregated city even though it's different towns and different cities and I was just curious to Mookie what, what kind of trauma that causes. I, nobody lost their life in an incident like that, but I'd imagine that uh, it's hard to see, maybe not as hard to see, but it's equally hard to see as a lot of other things. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it and you wake up and you see something like that painted on your, on your fence or whatever, your house, I mean, once again, it, you know, it makes me look at you funny, Jonah. It makes me look at you different, so, you know, because who's to say that you ain't good? You know, I mean, that's what, you know, who's to say that you ain't do that thing? You know what I mean? It, it's just that that's what it that's what it brings. That's what it emulates. And that's why it goes back to, you know, like I said, understanding, you know, each other's culture. You know, we have an understanding. I feel more comfortable to know it. I didn't get comfortable, John. And that came from some ignorant person that just, you know, want to get a rise out of somebody because of the situation, whatever the case. You know what I mean? But. You don't know where it comes from. Only thing we can do is, 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 is who's to say it, it didn't even have to be a white person to do it. You know what I mean? It could have been somebody else from a whole nother culture. You know what I mean? But since that, you know, we're pinpointing, we're putting blacks against whites here. Somebody might feel this is the opportune time 
to go ahead and do something like that. You know what I mean? But once again, if we don't have understanding of each other's culture, then how can we pinpoint it? How can we, you know, even say who did that? Um, I had an instance coaching Little League one year. Um, you know, I, I loved you. Um, when we first started uh, uh, the GC Cowboys, um, they didn't want us out there. They didn't want us out there in, 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 in the uh, first board. And um, one day uh, we come to practice, we come early, and we see a black cane man spray painted on, on the uh, concession stand saying that all N-words must die. Well, and we called the news, the news came out. Uh, you know, they did a quick story on it. Um, the news guy stayed the entire practice. And then, you know, we were talking afterwards. As we were talking afterwards, you seeing people just come from out of nowhere, just like putting glass, broken glass on the field and stuff like that. So, you know, if the kids were practicing on the field and they fall, then they're going to get cut up by all the glass that they put down there or make it seem like, you know, we're breaking bottles to the point where we'll lose the park permit and we won't have a field for the kids to play on. This was in 06. This was 16 years ago. You know, so, I mean, where does it end? You know, nothing's being done about it because there's no laws that's put in place for, you know, for it to, you know, put a head on it, put a cap on it, if you will. And the only thing this is going to do, if it continues, is just, hey, at some point, you hate to say it, but what, what happens when somebody gets fed up and want to fight fire with fire? Then we're just going to keep going back and forth. For what reason? Why is the reason? Why? You know, it's, all this stuff is senseless, is pointless, doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, we are supposed to come together and love everybody, man. You know what I mean? Take the, take the color of your skin out of it. You know what I mean? We all bleed the same on the inside. We just about have all the same organs on the inside, man. And, you know, at the end of the day, color shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be separated in this day and age. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be, but I, it's, it's obvious, but it shouldn't be. What can white people do to make it better? And I know that I don't mean about Saturday. That, that can't be made better. I'm talking about moving forward. Uh, and I think that we get uh, comfortable uh, in our in our lane, in our homes, in, in what we're doing in our day to day life. And I can and I know that this came up, you know, with the George Floyd murder, uh, a lot of introspection that I had and reading articles in which um, it really took uh, into account. It's not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. Um, and it's not just enough for me to say, I'm not a part of the problem. Um, so, and I, and just to be, and to feel bad uh, because, Hey, I'm not part of the problem. I wish I could do something about all the other people who are part of the problem, but I'm not part of the problem. Well, there, there needs to be a, an extra step, I think, or else this is never going to stop. So I guess Mookie, what, what, what's your, what would your suggestion be to your white colleagues, your white friends about ways to, or maybe even not friends. You know, there's probably people listen, hate watching this right now that, that, that are pissed off at these bleeding heart left wingers talking to this black guy uh, and trying to stir shit up. Uh, but what would you say? What can we do uh, to, in a day-to-day in a -day way, 
to to improve things. Hey, just if you got a question about it, ask. You know what I mean? It's, it's a way to ask people about, you know, I mean, you can never say, you know how I feel, because you don't. You know, and that's like the, the quickest escape word that someone would say to somebody. You know what I mean? I know how you feel. Don't say that because that's kind of insulting because you don't. And I never will. You know, because I never, I never could. You know, so um, it's, it's kind of funny because something happened to me yesterday. I feel like I was profiled yesterday, you know, just because I don't know if it's the glasses or how I have my hair, but, you know, I'm down there and, you know, doing my journalist stuff and, I, I go behind all the national media tents. They got all the national media tents down there. So, you know, I'm just cutting through. I'm not even sticking around. I saw the mayor. I cut through. I spoke with the mayor. Um, and then, you know, I made my way out to talk to, uh, you know, the people in the community. So as I was going back, you know, to my vehicle, I was stopped. And, you know, the guy asked me, hey, um, you know, are you uh, credentialed to be back here? So, you know, I had to show my microphone, my flagship and all of that. And, you know, I was kind of upset about it. So I went to my vehicle, I came back and I asked him, I said, hey, um, you know, I, I just feel that, you know, you just profiled me just then, then and there. You know what I mean? I didn't see you ask no white people anything about their credentials or anything like that. But you made a point of emphasis to stop me, to ask me did I belong back here. And I'm just breezing through. And, you know, can I ask who you are, you know? So he was like, well, I'm national security at CBS. I said, okay, that's fine. But I'm born and raised right here. You know, I'll shop at that grocery store. Right now we're standing in a vacant abandoned lot. So when y'all gone, nobody's gonna give a rat's ass about standing across the street from tops. But you make it a point of emphasis to tell me or ask me what's my credentials here. And I'm local media here. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my, I, I, my daughter-in-law's black. Okay, all right, all right, stop. <laughs> you know, your whole approach, I feel, was just wrong. You know what I mean? And I, and I, and I kind of feel that you profiled me in that way. So he was apologetic, or whatever the case may be. But you know that, and that's that's one thing right there. Like you go, like you said, some that the, the white privilege thing. Like he just felt that I didn't, deserve, I, I didn't belong back there. And ask me, you know, what am I doing back here? But you ain't asked anybody else uh, the same questions you asked me. You know, everybody was just free to walk through and cut through as they may. Opposite skin color. So, you know, that stuff like that. And then once again, he's an old white man. So it takes you all the way back to segregation and, and the things that he was accustomed to back then. You know, I mean, I understand that the laws have changed, but people's ways have not changed. And, right. and, that, and, and that's the issue there. You know what I mean? The law has changed, of course, but that doesn't change people's ways on, on their perspective on Black people, especially, you know, if they was grew up in that segregated time. How do you change that? How do you just flip the switch like that? You know what I mean? After, you know, doing, you know, I, I mean, you can take it back to hazing. You know what I mean? Just hazing Black people. You know what I mean? Back in those days. So now just... Okay, do we? That's that's water under the bridge. But I did do that. But you still have those tendencies. You still have those ways. And and I guess I, I don't want to say that's cool, but that's what you were, were accustomed to. That's how you was brought up. So it's kind of difficult to try to change that now. You know what I mean? I don't want to say it's like a bad addiction, 
and it's hard to kick, but it, it, it kind of seems that way in, in, in so many in so many words when you look at it like that. You look at the, the age dynamics, you know, you're set in your ways on how you, you know, you, you say things to people. And that's just how it is. You know what I mean? That's just who you are. And that's that's fine. That's just who you are. But me, I'm going to let you know about about stuff like that. And then let's have a conversation, you know, so you can understand where I'm coming from. I understand where you're coming from. Once we get an understanding, maybe you might do things a little bit different when you approach the next black person or something, you know. Mookie, I just want to ask you regarding that uh, that exchange, that interaction that you had with that law enforcement person. Um, so it sounds like it turned out okay that maybe he learned a little something. I mean, who knows if it sticks, but it sounds like you handled it diplomatically and it, it had a, a somewhat satisfying resolution, um, somewhat. Um, but when you've gone to your car and you've have that thought in your mind that clicks, I want to go back to this guy and talk to him. That's dangerous right there for you. Uh, and I'm sure your heart race is, is going a little bit because you don't know how he's going to take it. Even though you have good intention and you want to approach this and have it be a teachable experience or a, a moment that you can, can compromise or have a meeting of the minds. But what's that like for you as you're taking those steps towards this guy? You have to be ready for anything. Uh, I'm ready for it. I'm, I mean, I'm comfortable. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in my community. Um, and like I said, I'm a very opinionated guy. I don't care where I'm at, you know. But it was just the time to, I felt that it was just the time to address that, especially what's going on. I'll be damned. And that's not to say it. you shouldn't have said it. You should have said it. But I think that a white person in that, you know, we hear about Karens, you know, in today's, you know, all these, there's a, there's this, this belief of entitlement. Like I, I deserve to know this answer. And you know, I think, again, it's a white privilege type thing, but you walking back into that situation um, for you, not maybe you, but anybody uh, who looks like you, um, you don't know what's you don't know what's about to happen and you're not going to be received like somebody else would. Right. But like I potentially said, it goes it goes to the approach, you know, it, it goes back to the approach. I didn't uh, approach him in an angry way. You know, I channeled that. You know, and I'm, I'm same tone I'm talking to you is the same way I spoke to the guy. I said, hey, um, and I kind of feel that you profiled me back then, you know, and now let, let, let's let's have a conversation on, on, on why did you stop me? You know, it didn't oppose you not asking everybody else the same question that you asked me. And, you know, oh, well, my daughter-in-law, she's black and all that. OK, I don't want to hear all that. I, this is me and you talking on what you said to me. And this is how I this is what I feel. This is how I feel that you address that situation. I feel like you profile me. You know, what is it? Like I said, is it my hair? Is my glasses? You know, I, I, I don't fit the mold. I don't look like I belong back here, you know? So, you know, we had that conversation and, you know, we got an understanding of it. Um, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, and I, I know that nothing wasn't going to happen to me, you know what I mean? But it's always in your approach. Now, if I would have approached him with hostility, if I would have approached him with anger, uh, then, you know, maybe he could have felt that he was threatened being in the position that he is as national security to do whatever he failed to do to protect himself. You know what I mean? At that point in time, I'm aware of that. But once again, I'm in the heart of my community. I was very comfortable with whatever I was uh, set to do or say at that point.
Good. I'm glad you did. Um, Jonah, I know that you had some some other questions. I didn't want to hog up all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mookie, you know, and you've been down there covering some of these visits from politicians and whatnot, and something we've heard a lot of from Kathy Hochul, I think President Biden said a bit of this today, is using an incident like this to bring about change. And I think Kathy Hochul said, let's make this the last uh, mass shooting of its kind to happen. Um, you know, how do you feel about the realisticness of things changing like that, of ability to change the tide, whether it's with racism, and I think the gun laws in our country and the gun culture in our country is also a big part of this. Uh, do you feel like things could get better from this point? It could get better, but I mean, it, it start with legislation. You know what I mean? These hate crimes must stop. And if it's a point of emphasis to know that, okay, if a hate crime is committed, then it should be a severe, severe penalty, a very severe penalty. I mean, I'm, hey, I didn't mind how they, how they did it old school. They feel that you did something, they took you out back and they had the, the frying brigade. You know, if, I mean, hey, if it fits the crime, man, you know, so be it. Something needs to be done of an extreme magnitude of hate crimes. is it, no place for it. It's just no place for it at all. You know what I mean? That guy... He killed elderly people. It wasn't no young young people, you know, that he killed. He killed elderly people, 60 years old, 80 years old, 70 years old, 50 years old. I mean, think about that, man. You you preyed on innocent elderly people. That's like going into a nursing home and just just, just going off. I mean, that's I mean, if that's not hate at its highest degree, I don't know what it is. And it needs to be laws put in place for that. I mean, I know New York state laws are, are different, but I mean, hey, you kill 10 people like that, I feel that the death penalty should be talked about. Remember? There's a federal death penalty and I'm sure he'll yeah. face it. Um, I know I, I took a little bit of heat on, uh, on Twitter for, you know, I, 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 I'd push back. Uh, I, I, do, I don't think and I'm willing to have this conversation. I think that obviously the degree, uh, the, the percentage chance that, um, that Gendron makes it out alive if he's not white uh, goes way up. Um, but I'm also not cynical enough to believe that those police officers, knowing what they knew on those scanners, um, the adrenaline going, knowing that there are mass casualties, faced with someone with an assault rifle wearing full body armor, I, I'm not cynical enough to think that police consciously said, I'm going to pull some punches here because this guy's white. I do believe, though, that it does happen an awful lot of times where people get taken into custody uh, without a blemish on them uh, for very serious acts where people selling uh, Lucy's outside of Bodega uh, get strangled to death. Uh, there's, a, there's a distinct difference. Um, but it's um, so I tweeted that there was an article and the Buffalo News did an article and it was it was a great article that looked into the um, the frustrations of a lot of people that he was able to walk out of there alive and be, you know, without any speed bumps on his head, at least. 
Um, but I said that I thought that was good because as much needs to be learned about this guy and from this guy as possible and then kill him. You didn't have to kill him there. Don't let him kill himself. Let's get through the process. Maybe he has things that he ha- that we don't know about information that could save lives in the future or help figure out why he did this or how how he did it and then kill him. You know, after a court, which obviously there's so much evidence that the federal you know, hate crimes and, uh, you know, all those different things uh, that could be at play. And, and then and then he can get executed, just like Timothy McVeigh. Um, so anyway, I took some heat for being a little crass with the idea of this guy uh, of us killing him. Uh, but I'll live with that. I hey, think I'll, I, I'll sleep fine. Well, that's yeah. how it's supposed to be. What's abnormal is the and how frequent it's happened is how. Uh, black suspects get treated by police or have been treated in high profile cases. That's what's not supposed to happen. What, what happened in this case is how it should have gone with any suspect in any other arrest, black, white, or other. Right. Hmm. I, I have a little conspiracy theory. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of oh. interesting. It's kind of Okay. Are you, do you want, do, do you want to go ahead and, and say it or are yeah. you just, are you just yeah. flirting yeah. with the idea? No, All right, I'm, I'm, I, let's, I'm, I, let's hear it. I mean, when you look at it, okay. Uh, what? A month ago, a couple months ago, a guy leads the police on a, on a wild chase, right? And they're, they're saying that he's shooting police officers left and right. Come to find out, this guy is a handicapped guy. Downtown, right? We're talking about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, he's a handicapped. No, not downtown. The one that led the police on the goose chase from West Seneca to... So everywhere. Okay, that was. And then, you know, they 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 closed him off on ferry and shot the car up. Come to find out, this guy is handicapped. He's in a wheelchair. So he's handling the car with a stick and one hand on the steering wheel. So how is he able to shoot at police officers and get away and lead police on a goose chase from the east side to the west side, from West Seneca to Cheek Dewaga? back down Fillmore and you know he's in he, he's in a wheelchair so when he you know gives himself up the car gets shot up right now he all his fingers is broken um he got shot in the shoulder got shot in the hip and you know he has all these attempted murder charges for you know shooting at police officers right how Flynn say you're guilty until you prove innocent he, 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 he made emphasis of that yesterday. I get that he's doing his job. He got to say that allegedly, right? But you didn't say that uh, 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 about that assailant. And then furthermore, this guy killed the retired cop, killed him in cold blood. Now, when he comes out that grocery store, let's just say it's 10 black police officers telling him to drop his weapon. Do you think he drops that weapon? Do you think he goes off that easily? Well, yeah, there's that aspect of it. <laughs> it's, it's, it, 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 it. That right there could have been a shootout with the police. I don't think he would have would have would have surrendered. Because once again, you know, white police officers, he's not gonna shoot them. Cause he don't have a, you know, he doesn't hate, you know, his own color, obviously. So he's not gonna harm them. Goes back to the sales clerk inside when he pointed the gun at him, realized he was white, said he was sorry, and moved on. So when he came outside, he was ready to go the distance. But guess what? 
it was abundance of white officers, wasn't black officers. So that's, it kind of scratched my head like, okay, here we are in Jefferson and before all this happened, that's all you would see was black police officers patrolling the area in the community, right? One black officer in sight when it came down to that, you know, he, he, we went off into the good night. It wasn't a knee on his neck. He wasn't roughed up for killing 10 elderly people. Uh, it wasn't, you know, like you said, it wasn't a, uh, uh, it wasn't a nothing. They didn't blow on him. You know, they just handled him so gently with care into a police car after killing a former police officer and 10 elderly people. You know, I, I you know, it just makes you wonder, man. It just really makes you wonder. And these questions always surface up. But when we ask these questions, you know, people get upset about that or feel that you shouldn't ask those type of questions. You know, or they feel a certain kind of way. Or oh, the police, they 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 were brave and okay, I get all of that. But you didn't comply. Were, that, <laughs> he complied. You didn't comply. You know that that whole argument. Well, yeah. when I'm I shouldn't be choked while selling a loose cigarette outside of bodega. So of course I'm not complying because because you're strangling me. Yeah, I'm gonna fight back. Right, right. I mean, this happened in Buffalo and the cops killed somebody on the west side. Chase you down. And shot at him. So this is not like this is not happening right here. You know, it happens on Chippewa. You know, so let's not act like this isn't happening. You know what I mean? So um, for that, to I don't know, Mookie. I saw the coverage on Saturday. They said that this guy came from far away, and if not, then we, we everything would have been just fine here in Buffalo. There would have been no racism. Uh, city of good neighbors. You know, Buffalo. yeah, going down to the fruit belt and. You know, guys, guys getting in their uh, their their pickup trucks out in Clarence uh, and Elma and driving into the fruit belt to help clear people out uh, after the blizzard. You see that all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, we see it all the time. We, we see it all the time. But I get that. But it's still one of the top segregated cities in the country without that even happening. I, I was being sarcastic. I know. I know. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are, but that's kind of what the the image that was that was trying to be struck on mm -hmm. on Saturday was is just like uh, and you know hey we do have a lot of good things going for us but I, I let's not uh, let's not be naive or Pollyanna about the issues that we really do have uh, here and everywhere and everywhere this isn't a Buffalo thing I'm not shitting on Buffalo here uh, you know the town that I'm from Cleveland I've lived in Boston. You know, I've lived in hell happened in Vegas. You go these progressive Southwest cities. Uh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's and, it's, and it's just allowed to float, float by because people don't say anything or do anything. Mookie does bring up an interesting case with that car chase. I don't know if I'm confusing it with another one that happened on the, on the one ninety and ended downtown, but from reading about one of these two, there were, Correction, the parole officers that got suspended because this was almost a targeted instance where they went chasing after this person because of perceived threats that may have been made to another parole officer. They almost kind of encouraged this shootout because they thought it, you know, maybe they were protecting themselves or maybe they just were bloodthirsty and wanted something like this to happen. And you contrast with that we find that um, the perpetrator in Saturday's event had already been flagged and you know, brought in for mental health screening a year ago for threats that were made and had actually been at the tops months before and 
saying some bizarre things to workers there and that that didn't raise any flags or didn't cause the police to go hunting after this person that had laid some breadcrumbs before indicating that they were capable of doing something like this. Yeah, I mean, it's just, all in all, it's just sad. And this is just, I don't know, I want to say like cherry on top of it because the guy just, I, I'm still scratching my head on why Buffalo? Why did you choose Buffalo? You passed so many other, you know, um, black neighborhoods to come to Buffalo. Why Buffalo was the target? Okay, miss me with the area code and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. It, to me, it, it, it's deeper than that. It's, it's deeper than that. And, and for him to get evaluated, for him to be evaluated in, in 15 minutes and everybody says nothing wrong with him, then something is wrong with the evaluators. So they didn't see that. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, the, the, also the idea of a lone wolf, you know, that used to be the thing that it, that was, uh, the case with mass shootings. And it was also a way for us to, you know, uh, throw that blanket of security around us that everything's going to be okay. Well, you, we couldn't have stopped this. This was a lone wolf. The guy came out of nowhere. Uh, he lived out in a shed, uh, out in the woods and, uh, he was building homemade explosive devices, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when you've been, when you've, delivered a threat that your teachers have heard and you go to law enforcement, you're supposed to be in the system for New York's red flag law. And for some reason, he was still able to buy a gun. Um, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, the, the whole idea of the lone wolf is, is out the window. There, there were people who could have stopped this along the way right. uh, or at least made it a lot harder uh, and didn't. And, you know, the, the online community that's out there, yes, he was probably alone in his bedroom, um, you know, devouring, you know, he said in his, in his writings that he had no personal contact with anybody. He was just a loner. Yeah. So he was a loner, but he had this internet community, uh, this information. And I also want to just throw this out there. I mean, the kid's 18. Yes. Technically an adult. How does he have the means for a car and gas money, which isn't cheap these days, and guns and all the ammo and all the stuff that he needs, where do he get the money for all this? And don't his parents wonder at some point, where, where's Peyton? He hasn't been home in, in two days. I mean, yeah, maybe he's at a friend's house, but, or whatever lies he may tell to, to get out of it. But you know, this is a guy with a troubling track record that his parents know about, and they, know, they have to know he owns guns. Well, maybe I shouldn't assume that. I mean, who's, who knows how secretive the kid was, but I'm guessing. Uh, how do you, how as parents, do you miss all of this? Right. That this kid just evaporates for days at a time to go scout out shooting locations. Even if he's driving, he's either staying overnight or he's driving six hours round trip in addition to his recon. And he's done it at least twice that we, that we know about because of, of, of March, uh, we found that he was here in March. Uh, and almost got busted. Um, it's it's just it's amazing to me how how somebody could just let their their child go off the grid so much uh, without any kind of curiosity. Right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you live with your parents. Your parents should have an inkling of what your kids are doing. At 18, I'm going in my son's room and I'm checking all the time. Hey, as a parent, I'm a nosy parent. What are you doing? Like, you know your kids. Like, 
you know, they DNA wise, they are you. You know what I mean? So you know <laughs> what your child is capable of before they even do it. You you know the facial expression that he's making because that was once you. You you know what that looks like. You know what that person's about to do. I have those things about my son that he cannot stand. You know what I mean? But it's just I guess it's just an old cliche thing, you know, when your parents are saying, you know, you know, don't do it. I know what you're doing before you even do it. You know That's I mean? not to say, Mookie, that his parents actually could have envisioned him doing exactly what he did. But they had to know that they're that he was he's off enough and has the means to do something really awful. Oh, yeah. We're not even if it's to kill a dog or to kill, you know, uh, you know, to whatever, you know, shoot, shoot at people and not hit any of them. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of terrible things that are even of a, of a small degree uh, compared to what happened on Saturday that his parents should have at least have been, you know, had on their, on their minds. The New York times talked to some of his classmates and they had mentioned that he had had some disturbing behavior in the last year and that he'd gotten more isolated. I think he showed up to school in a hazmat suit one mm-hmm. day in the past right. year. And another thing from that article that really struck me is one of the classmates casually talking about how, well, we all play with guns in rural New York. That's just kind of what we do for fun. And that's, you know, this is a horrific incident in a lot of different ways. And, and the racism layers is, is, you know, maybe the worst part of it, but, at the same time, this isn't a freak event. It's a freak event in Buffalo, but this is, I think, there have been more than 200 mass shootings in the United States this year alone since the start of the year. There haven't even been 150 days in the year. We're in May. So there's this, something like this happens almost every day somewhere in the United States. It's not always of this magnitude and not always in a big city or a grocery store or anything like that, but there is a dangerous activity with guns every day of the week, every day of the year in the United States. There were three Friday and Saturday, three major ones, you know, out in in Laguna. What's that? There are 17 people, I think, or I I don't know the number, but a lot of people were shot at a uh, after party for the Milwaukee Bucks game, watching the game on Friday night before this happened. And yeah, it's, um, I, I don't know that we've solved anything here, Mookie. Uh, in fact, I'm quite sure we haven't. Uh, but I didn't want to talk sports. I, have one, I, I wanted to ask Mookie one sports-related question. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm just curious because he did mention that you were out at the charity softball game on Sunday. That was the first sporting event after this tragedy, mm-hmm. one of the first mass gatherings. There was a Justin Bieber concert Saturday night. I don't think Mookie went to that. But what, what was the vibe like at the baseball game and people gathering still in mourning? And, you know, what was that event like to cover and, and be part of? I mean, it was refreshing, but the fact remained, everybody was well aware of what happened that Saturday. Um, you know, Mo Badger, he sung the national anthem and, you know, he sings that national anthem in his sleep, blindfolded. He sings it a lot for Bill's games. Um and the players just recognized he, he, he broke down during the anthem. He broke down during the anthem and, you know, all the players came and embraced him afterwards. So, I mean, you couldn't get no video because we're honoring our, our flag at that point. You know what I mean? So I don't think it was any footage. I think uh, Hickey got some pictures of it or whatever the case, but it was very, um, 
it was very good to see that those guys were sensitive enough to understand what has happened in the community and who Mo is in the community. Cause he's obviously he's a Buffalo police officer as well. So how much that affected him to the point where he broke down singing the national anthem, the guys were there to embrace him and, and, and pick him up. And, you know, um, it was a great event. I mean, it, it was a great event over 12,000 people in the stands. Um, and like I said, it took my mind away from it. You know what I mean? Just being out there, just conversing with the guys, just watching the game and, you know, sounds on the microphone. And, you know, it, it, it took me away, you know what I mean? From all the, the, the tragic things that's, that, that happened, you know what I mean, in the city. And, but when it was over, you know, back to the reality of it. And, you know, that's something that um, this community is going to face for a long time when the national cameras and all that stuff going and everybody's got good valid points and everybody is saying, oh, we should stick together. We should do that. What's going to happen two weeks from now? Are we still going to have that same energy? Are we still going to uh, be proactive on making sure that something is put in place or it just doesn't happen? You know, how, how, how are we going to move forward and address, you know, what's really been going on for the past, man, since the 60s around here? You know what I mean? Like, it should be a problem, you know, that people don't feel that this is a problem, that this is the sixth most segregated city in the, in the nation? Well, that's what I was just going to say, Mookie. Everybody. I know that we, we started off earlier in the conversation where you mentioned your parents grew up in segregation, but you didn't. And we're talking, you're, you're talking about in the spirit of, Jim Crow laws, seg you know, segregated schools and things like mm -hmm. that. But there is still that segregation, like you say. And that's where I'm concerned. And I, I'm actually, I don't want to announce anything yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to do something, you know, fundraising related. Um, just, to, I don't, I don't know. Cause I feel I, I need to, maybe it's my white man's guilt. I don't know, but there is that element of the East side being so segregated that I do fear, Mookie, that it's going to be forgotten about by much of Western New York fairly quickly because we can easily in the North Towns, in the South Town, in, in pretty much anywhere else in Western New York, if it's a very uncomfortable thing to think about that happening in your town, uh, what happened, how it happened, why it happened, all of that. It's very uncomfortable to think about, and a lot of people would rather just talk about the bills and the Super Bowl or whatever's going on at work or whatever. Let's just forget that that even happened. And it's easy to do because I don't go down there. I'm not from there. I don't know people who are from down there. And that isn't necessarily the case when you have a community that's much more diverse as opposed to, all right, at this zip code where this street intersects this street, that's where the black people live. And so you have a lot of the people who have the money and who do care right now. And I think with good intentions, it's even subconsciously very quickly. I think it's that, that people are going to just come to that, that feeling of comfort and solace that, all right, I'm back in Williamsville. I'm back in Clarence. I'm back in Orchard Park, Hamburg, you know, whatever. And I'm not from there and they'll take care of that. That's, you know, somebody else, somebody else will help them out. And you can drive right over the east side on the Kensington and never have to go through that neighborhood, even if you need to transverse geographically through that part of town. And that highway being built is part of the reason why 
the communities are segregated in the way they are and, and why that community, that east side has been economically disadvantaged over the years since that Humboldt Park area was split by the highway. All right. And then when you look at the dynamics, Thompson is the only supermarket that's in that area. There's no other grocery stores there. You and people I mean? had to so, fight to get it there. Tops didn't really want to build a store there. It had to be kind of a political movement to even get a grocery store in that food desert. Right. So now, now what do we do? I mean, I, I get that they want to open it up, but who's going to work there? They had issues of, of hiring people that wanted to work there before this happened. So I'm not sure if anybody's going to want to work there. I'm not sure if anybody's even going to want to go back inside of there. You know, after, you know, knowing what's happening, then on top of that, everybody just saw the video. So why go through that type of trauma? You know, so I don't know what's 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 next at times. I don't know if they need to move it, put it somewhere else. Rename it. Yeah, something because this is this is a a thought I've had and I don't really care. I mean, Tops is a corporation. It did. It's not a victim in all of this. Mm -hmm. Technically. But one thing that I do notice, every bit of this coverage has that Tops logo in it. All the photos, Victor Blackwell is standing right in front of that Tops sign. I mean, it is going to be connected, whether it's the Tops uh, in Chictawaga or the top, whatever. People now know, around because Tops is not a worldwide brand, but Tops is now known. And, and, and this is a company that was dangerously close to going out of business a handful of times. They faced bankruptcy. Uh, they've, they've been in trouble. And I, I'm just curious, again, that's an aside, but I'm curious what this does to, to tops. Um, it's just, it's tough, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to distract from something more meaningful, but it is something that I do notice in every, every photo or, or every, uh, every scene. It's that, that, top, that big red tops logo is so prominent right behind because that's the only way you can stake that I am on the scene. I am here from NBC. Uh, there's no Buffalo skyline right there. You know, it's gotta be the tops to show that this is where I am. Um, I think Mookie, the, store, for, the store has oh, go to ahead, Jonah. Well, the store has to reopen because if this is an act of terrorism, I think not to be too flippant about it, but you let the terrorists win if, if you closed out and moved the store. I mean, the, the store is there for a reason because of the number of people that live in that area and need, access to a grocery store and food and things like that. And not that it'll be a triumphant occasion, but I think it'll be a bit of healing and closure when that store is able to reopen and things can somewhat get back to normal. But as Mookie said, it's, that was a traumatic incident for a lot of people that live in that neighborhood, the survivors that were in that store and were lucky enough not to get shot, but had to deal with that fear and, and everything that happened there. And I could see a lot of people being having trepidation about going back in that building for a good long time. Do you think it would be a, a community healer, Mookie, if, if that store were to reopen? Because it's not just a, a supermarket. It is the only supermarket, and it's such an important place. As we learned from the stories of the victims, they, they went there and they chatted with their friends and they knew the cashiers and they, you know, we... We all know uh, older people when they go to the, the grocery store, it's like an event to get out of the house. They get dressed up, their hair's a little bit more done. They got nice shoes on, you know, it's, they're going down there and they're going to see their people for the week. Um, do, do you think it could be a, would be a, a wise to reopen it? 
Well, they got no choice but to try to reopen it because once again, it's in the middle of a food desert and they're the only really provider that's in that area, you know, when it comes to, you know, fresh foods and things of that nature. So um, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long road. I can tell you that I won't be going inside of there. I mean, just, I'm just being honest. I, I, I don't think that I'll ever set foot in that Thompson, you know, just to know what her, what happened inside of there. And, and I saw the video. So me going in there were actually, you know, will would pinpoint some areas in that story where I, where I, what I saw, what I saw. And I don't want to see that. I don't want my mind to even go there for being inside of there. So I, I doubt if I ever go back in that time. So I'm just going to have to find another place to go shopping, you know, at this point, you know, right now, especially. So um, it's, it's, it's just a tough, it's just a tough uh, time for the community right now. And, you know, there have to be some changes at some point. I mean, and we, we need to see, we need to see that quickly rather than later, you know, something needs to change of this. Like can't just, have this type of things happen of this magnitude and then okay we say we, we say it for the cameras but when the cameras go off and all that stuff and you know what's next so it's just like any other situation that happens like you said something everywhere else it don't just happen here but when it, it you know like josh allen said when when it, it's in your own backyard it hits home and right now it's just hitting home you know, it's just hitting home and, you know, we need to, and something needs to change drastically. We want, people in the community want to see results. And if they don't get those results, then who's to say how people would uh, respond going forward in reference to that, you know, do they take matters in their own hands, you know, now because nothing is being done or, you know, are they going to respect, you know what I mean, the politicians enough to where they feel that they're going to do a thorough job to make sure that necessary change happens going forward. Why did you choose to watch the video, Mookie? Um, at first, I didn't want to see it. At first, I didn't. Um, you know, I, I was sent the text, and then I was like, "Why are you? I don't. You know, why are you? I don't. I'm not going to look at it." But I just had to see. I, I just really had to see, and what I saw. Uh, I was very disturbed. I was very angry. Um, I'm still angry about that. Um, just to see how those elderly people were gunned down for no reason at all. At all. And this guy did it with conviction. He was very passionate about doing it. And who he was targeting you know, for him to sit there and say, oops, I'm sorry. He was apologetic to even flashing the gun at the white guy. Very apologetic. So I don't understand, you know, they innocent to proven guilty. There's enough video footage right then and there to show you right there that that guy is guilty as you can possibly be, you know, at that point. So um, I just had to see it. I just, I just had to see for myself what actually happened in the fashion that it happened, the manner that it happened. And, you know, don't understand, you know, why what happened, but yeah, it, it leaves you angry at the end of the day because that could have easily been my mom. That could have been my grandmother there, you know, it, you know, and, and on the flip side, it could have been yours too as well. So it's, it, it, that's, that part just make you angry. Like 
it's like when you see your grandmother now, like, who do my grandmother got beef with? You know what I mean? Like, really? Like, who my grandmother? She's such a sweet lady yeah, at this point in time in her life. You know what I mean? Who does she have? I mean, she can't hurt a fly at this point if she wanted to. You know, and so and for that to, to happen and the way it happened, man, it, it, it makes you it makes you it makes you angry and it makes you want to do something to make make this change right away. This this cannot never ever happen again, not only in, in in our community, but in the country. Like something needs to be done to the point where people will second guess on on planning a hate crime. You know, it, it it makes you think twice. You know, I mean, there's things out there I know you think twice about before doing it. So it should be something put in place when these these anti-hate crimes that makes you think twice about it. Unless you just saying, hey, I'm I'm planning to kill myself after this, so it don't matter. You know what I mean? Then okay. I I still don't understand that, but it should be something put in place to even make them think twice about doing what they do. Mookie, thank you for this. Is there anything you want to add, uh, anything you might want to emphasize that we didn't bring up? I, I know we, we've kept you for a bit, but um, it's an important topic. And uh, and the audience, uh, you know, that I have here is mostly sports fans, which is, uh, you know, why I wanted to bring you on here. And the fans of Bill's fans, especially through COVID and those Zoom news conferences being shown live, have gotten to know you over the last couple of years as a voice and a uh, and a face that they, they look forward to. Uh, and uh, I, I thought that your words would be able to uh, obviously uh, connect a lot better than mine could and, and Jonah's could. Um, so I appreciate you doing this, but is there anything else you want to add? Um, I'm cool, but like, you know, just, hey, if, if you just want to know, just ask, man. You know, if you want to ask, you know, how about our culture and stuff like that, it don't hurt to ask. I don't have a problem with telling, you know, and then we can have that conversation so we can help each other understand each other's culture. You know what I mean? Understand, you know, um, where you come from, where I come from, um, what, 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 what certain things I disagree on, what, 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 what my grandparents did, certain things that you disagree on with your grandparents did. And okay, let's move forward from that. And that's the way we, I, I feel that we can get better, the way we can change this from being one of the six most segregated city to, you know, let's, let's, let's try to improve that number, you know, what it is. For it to be top 10 out of all this, what is, what, how many cities is it in, uh, in America? Over 200, 300 cities or whatever the case may be. And we're in the top 10. That's that's very sad. You know, what I mean, I mean, Bill's games brings us all together. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can say that, you know, sports brings us all together. It's not a bad bone in anybody's body. We're all wearing the same colors, you know, at the end of the day when it comes to that. You know, what I mean, but when 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 the game is, is, is not being played, how do we treat each other? You know, so if you want to know anything about my culture and, and understand you know who we are and how we do things. Hey, just ask. You know what I mean. And it's cool to ask because you don't know. You know what I mean. We respect that more that you're asking those type of questions instead of just having a, a preconceived notion on who black people are based upon what was said back in those times. You know what I mean? Because now we're in a different time where 
you know, we are together. We are going in them same bathrooms. We are eating and dining in the same, you know, restaurants and stuff like that. So, you know, things are different from what they were back in those 60s and 70s. We got to we got to we got to kill that narrative of that and help better understand each other culturally. So, you know, we could so we won't have no hate amongst one another. You know, what I mean, not only black and whites, but Latinos and everybody. You know, what I mean, we need to understand, you know, everyone from a from from a cultural standpoint, you know, to make to have coach to have growth, you know what I mean, for one another, to respect one another a little bit more better than what's going on right now. Did I say anything misguided that I shouldn't keep saying? See, I like asking those types of questions. I had a conversation like that with Micah Hyde, in fact, at one point. And I was like, I don't know what I don't know. Like, I don't want to keep like, well, how, am I, how am I supposed to do this? It was after George Floyd and he was searching for, for things. And, you know, the pandemic was just in full force. And he was wondering whether or not he was going to report to camp, uh, mini camp, I think it was. And he was, he had just had a child and we started having a deep conversation and I said, I, I think it is, I agree. It's liberating to admit you don't know. Uh, and as opposed to pretending like you do, because you think you're going to look stupid if you, if you confess being ignorant about something. But I remember having a conversation with him. I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? And he told me some, some things about, you know, how to be proactive. And um, so, yeah, I, I just, we just spoke for an, almost an hour and a half here on a delicate topic that I could step in it uh, probably a hundred different ways by saying something misguided or stupid or ignorant. So right. you didn't call, I don't know if you weren't calling me out because you're just being a gracious guest or, <laughs> or I actually made it through the minefield. Uh, you know, we cool. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm a very opinionated guy and I'm quite sure you guys know that by now, but um, just ask, you know what I mean? And don't hurt the ass, man. You know what I mean? And you know, it, it, it don't hurt the ass. You know what I mean? It, it just doesn't. No, nope. it just because I'm an ass as well. I want to get an understanding, you know what I mean? On where we are on how we do things. And, you know, and that's just that. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not racist by far. You know what I mean? I don't judge people by the color of their skin. You know what I mean? But actions definitely speak more loud than words. And, you know, as men, we should be able to talk about our issues and come to some sort of understanding where, you know, a job still has to be done, but at the end of the day, we're going to respect one another as men and as human beings. Mookie Hawkins from Power 96.5. Very kind of you to join us here. And uh, so thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening uh, to Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs, and business consultants. Thanks for having me. CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400, and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you.